I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Justice has been served, at least for Juicy Smoulier, a.k.a. Jesse Smollett. But will the Democrat media complex actually be held to account for pushing this epic hate crime hoax? Uh, probably not. In wake of the guilty verdict, I read a excerpt from my best-selling book, Breaking the News, from the Fake News Hall of Shame section, which I think is aged like a fine wine that I think you'll enjoy and get a kick out of. And then we'll break down Joe Biden's disgraceful handling of the economy with inflation officially at a 40-year high, and the public is none too happy about it, nor are they happy about the moves uh, President Joey is making. Uh, Also, I get into some of the border issues. Also not good news there. Record levels of meth being seized entering our country and our southern border facilities are overrun with COVID positive illegal aliens. At least the good news there is Dr. Fauci doesn't think that's a big deal. The only big deal is, you know, well, whatever Dr. Fauci thinks is a big deal. And China's engaging in experimentation on pigs that speaking of Dr. Fauci, uh, he would be very impressed This is really extreme stuff, uh, pretty barbaric, and we get into that as well. But still, the genocide games are on, and even some Republicans don't want to boycott. Two guests today, both from Breitbart Land, our entertainment editor and unofficial Black Bart correspondent Jerome Hudson joins, and we have a good time talking about what the Smollett conviction actually means. And then economic and finance editor John Carney joins me, and he explains the inflation data and the jobless data and why all of this is no bueno for President Joey. But first, I do want to tell you about a very important sponsor that we have and one that is clearly is time is right to support them, American Hartford Gold. I'm not the only one who's noticed. Everything is getting expensive. We're seeing the cost of living in this country go up big time. Consumer prices soaring 6.8% according to data released today. It's the biggest economic crisis since 2008, and the government just keeps printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest in 30 years. Inflation is here to stay, and if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your savings, your retirement? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660. Or text Alex to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660. Or text Alex to 65532. And we will begin where you know we'll begin. Juicy Smoulier. There has finally been justice for Juicy. Uh, He was found guilty in his hate crime hoax trial. I think it was five out of six charges. Uh, And this is the former Empire actor who was championed by the media instantly after staging a hate crime where uh, Smoulier, otherwise known as Jesse Smollett, um, is a 
homosexual black man who said that a some guy, some white guys in MAGA hats, uh, despite the fact that he was in Chicago, attacked him at two in the morning and uh, said this is MAGA country and called him the F word, the one that goes F-A-G-G-O-T and the N word. And it was so absurd and ham-fisted that you could you couldn't possibly believe it, right? Well, only pretty much the entirety uh, of the establishment media did. And I will tell you, the best summary of this uh, was actually written by uh, yours truly. And a shameless plug for the book Breaking the News. I have posted the section that I have, Breaking This All Down, which I think in retrospect is pretty hilarious to read. It's currently the lead story at Breitbart.com. Uh, if you go over there, and if it, not, if you're catching up on the show a little later or via podcast, et cetera, then I would um, just hunt it down. It'll still be on the front page of Breitbart for a day or two. Um, but it is pretty amazing to read part of it in retrospect because it shows you from the get-go that this was never going to be true. This was never going to work. Uh, that small plan, this attack, it was just unbelievably stupid in every stretch of the way. I'll, I'll read to you a, a little bit from it um, right now because I think it is worthwhile to, to have such an efficient um, summary of not just not just the facts of the case, which we all know were absurd from the beginning, which you can reference on your own, but also really the people who dove into his defense. Uh, let me read to you from the book. Then Senator Kamala Harris tweeted praise for Smollett, calling the hoax attack an attempted modern day lynching. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker called the fake attack vicious and an attempted modern day lynching. He tweeted an endorsement of an anti-lynching bill in Congress thereafter. The NAACP blamed Donald Trump for the hoax in a general atmosphere of terror in the United States. Maxine Waters, Democrat from California, said she knows and loves Jesse and his family and called him a fantastic human being. She suggested President Trump deserves some of the blame. The New York Times took Smollett's story as gospel, reporting Smollett was attacked in Chicago by two assailants who yelled racial and homophobic slurs. Joe Biden quoted the tweet uncritically and predictably added some generic sanctimonious lecturing to Americans about bias. Quote, we must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jussie. That's what the president said. CNN's Don Lamone said in an interview that he texted Smollett every day following the phony attack, asking if he was okay. Yamicha Alcindor, PBS's White House correspondent and NBC News fixture, tweeted, we have to do better as a country. This is disgusting. Rolling Stone's Jameel Smith declared the attack terrorism. Terrorism. So it went on from there. Um, the celebrity class was even worse. Reading from the book again, transgender non-binary actor Elliot Page, who at the time was lesbian actress Ellen Page, Cher, pop star Katy Perry, actress Olivia Munn, actor Billy Eichner, Rosie O'Donnell, Rob Reiner, Moonlight Rider director Barry Jenkins, Frozen actor Josh Gad, Star Trek actor George Takei, and many others rushed to defend Smollett and or attack MAGA and Trump before the evidence was even in. Nearly all of those reactions were instantaneous, tweeted or grammed soon after initial details emerged, despite the fact that the story's main sources were Jussie himself and celebrity gossip blog TMZ. 
Meanwhile, local news reporters were left with little concrete evidence to back up Smollett's wild story. On January 30th, which was just a few days after the attack, about 36 hours after, to be precise, reporter Rob Elgis of ABC7 Chicago reported that no obvious people that could be assailants had been discovered by local law enforcement and that detectives have poured over hundreds of hours of surveillance video. And yet this continued. My favorite part, perhaps, of this all, the whole saga, uh, was when uh, the charges, the original set of charges, there were 16 counts in all, of disorderly conduct were dropped by Cook County, which is where Chicago is. Joe McGatt's an assistant state attorney, said that this was not an exoneration. We believe that Smollett did what he was charged with doing. But that didn't stop CNN's Brian Stelter, their actual media correspondent from uh, it, for, uh, who hosts the show, ironically named Reliable Sources, from suggesting that Jussie was still the victim and he was triumphant and that he can now return to work on Fox television. Smollett never did actually end up returning to Empire. So he was charged for a second time a little while later, and now we know that he's guilty. Uh, he faces up to 20 years in jail, though he's free for now, and I don't know how long he'll get. Uh, the joke in the Breitbart newsroom that he'll get like three days or something like that. And maybe it's not a joke. We'll see. But uh, this is another good one for the American judicial system. This is uh, a few in a row. Seems like they got the Ahmaud Arbery one correct. Seems like they got the Kyle Rittenhouse one correct. So yet another one. So many people. Michelle Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Shonda Rhimes, NAACP, as mentioned earlier, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I mean, how many people got this one dead wrong? And will any heads roll? How about Don Lamone? Will Don Lamone, who is texting Smoulier the whole time, any consequences for him? Uh, Dave Chappelle put it best in a comedy special from a while back where he said Smollett was clearly lying. Yeah, exactly. This is an interesting one for the media and for Hollywood because this is one where it was so clear to people who were paying attention that this guy had faked a hate crime. He still maintains his innocence to this day, so he will test the verdict we will see some sort of an effort to appeal. I don't know what that's going to mean for him, but he will try to appeal, but it just seems like uh, the, the, the science is settled on this one. And I speak for all of science, and so does the jury, not Tony Fauci. So just the, the way too good to check narrative was it was, I was talking to someone about this who works, works for me at Breitbart, and she was just saying it just, his whole narrative was just so dumb. It was just way too much. Two in the morning, this is MAGA country, he went to Subway Sandwiches, they put the noose around his neck, they had the bleach, it was just way too much, it was way too ham-fisted. If you're going to stage a hate crime, not to mention, you know, they did, he did the thing where he sent himself a letter, and the letter was the, that thing that you see in, you know, um, television shows where there's a hostage situation, and in order to disguise your handwriting, that you use little clippings from magazines to spell out the words. And it was marked with the American flag. It had MAGA on it. It's just this absurd corniness of it all. And yet the establishment media did everything they could and the Democrat politicians did everything that they could to stand by him the whole way. And there's no conscience in the Democrat public right now and the Democrat media complex where they're able to just stand up and say, this is way too much. Stop. Jesse, please spare us this. You're not helping. I'm hoping uh, Joe Biden will be asked about it. Someone's got to ask him, right? I mean, he was right there. All these people not just saying that he 
we'll, we'll let the dust settle. Let's see what the court decides. It looks like Smollett was a victim. They didn't even go that far. They're saying he's an excellent person. He's a great guy. He comes from an amazing family. So definitely a delightful one to be online, I must say. And uh, you'll enjoy the rest of the excerpt if you're so inclined. And, of course, breaking the news, the perfect Christmas gift for uh, your holiday season. And I'm telling you that this is a part of what I'm proud of is that I get to be on the historical record on some of these ones that in, in retrospect were so obviously fake. Okay, a couple other things that I want to bring up. Report News Saturday, we will have an exclusive interview with Donald Trump. Matt Boyle, our Washington bureau chief, uh, sat down with the former president, and we have some clips that we played on yesterday's broadcast. If you're inclined to check it out on the SiriusXM app, the SXM app, or on podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and also we have some clips on the front page of Breitbart News. He uh, dunks on the media for claiming they were tougher on Biden than on him. Than on him. Um, he blasts Mitch McConnell, the Republican establishment, which is always fun. So one thing that really caught my eye that I thought was pretty fascinating is there's a story a couple of days ago that Biden was going around and basically demanding that the media give him credit on economic news. And this has been semi-desperate. You might recall the gas prices are up a little over a dollar since Biden was sworn in, but they dropped about two cents from peak and Biden is demanding good coverage on that. And they're trying to cherry pick certain pieces of data in order to suggest that things aren't nearly as bad as they are. People are deeply concerned about inflation. And even though there is a certain level of wage growth, it is more than offset by the inflation. So there are certain industries you're seeing a little bit higher pay. But part of that is because some people are not in the workforce um, that otherwise would be, which raises the average of your salary. So if you're cutting the people in your company who are the most expendable, a lot of the time those people are um, actually, they're, they, they drag down the average in terms of how much people are paid because they're on the lower end of the pay spectrum. Think about it. In your business, the people who get fired first aren't people who are the priciest because those people are typically the most valuable. So that's the math there. So they're trying to cherry pick stuff and the media actually answered the call. And this is pretty fascinating. You saw some of it. Um, you know, CNBC's Jim Cramer was, he's kind of an absurd figure, but he was out there hyping Biden days after Biden was suggesting that this is, the, the economy is actually doing great. The strongest economy he's ever seen, even though inflation's at a 40-year high. 40-year high. And then there was a big piece in the Hill that Biden's actually delivering the fastest recovery in history. How many of you believe that? I know this is an audience of right of center people, but is there a person in the audience who believes it's the single fastest recovery in American history? That, that has got to be a pretty low percentage. Um, and Nolte has a big write-up on this, how the lapdog media is bowing to the White House demand for better economic coverage. Um, CNN's Don Lamone is pretty stoked about gas prices. Let's play 2A, Mr. Paul. Economic relief for millions of Americans who have been dealing with soaring energy prices. Cost of the pump finally easing up. With the national average for a gallon of regular falling to $3.35, the lowest since October. Just look at that. Ah. And the government is forecasting gas will drop to $3.01 by January. National gas prices also taking a big dive. 
They're down by more than 40% since the October peak, alleviating concerns that heating bills, natural I should say, not national, could have doubled by this winter. Yeah, he's leaving out the whole context that even if it keeps dropping, it's still going to be very highly elevated and it could go uh, even lower if we just start drilling in our own country. The most oil-rich nation on the planet. It's official and we're not getting our own resources. We're tapping strategic reserves from what? We're tapping strategic reserves that are supposed to be used for emergencies like when the Persian, Persian Gulf gets attacked because Biden's poll numbers are bad in this topic and Biden needs a win. And Don Lamone's content to give it to him because he's an absurd person, type of person who would shepherd Juicy Smoulier along a hate crime hoax. How does that work? How's Fredo Cuomo feeling today? Because Don Lamone consulting on a hate crime hoax the whole way through, never coming clean on it. Obviously, Don Lamone is not a total moron. He had to have known it was all fake. And then he's out there literally doing the uh, thing to talk about gas prices that have fallen two cents. Uh, I filled up for $100 over the weekend, which has been about the average since uh, for the last few months. $100 for my tank. I got a big car and I use the premium gas, but still a lot of money. Definitely offsets any non-existent wage growth in the uh, new media business. Okay, a few other things I want to bring up. Uh, Mark Meadows is suing Nancy Pelosi and every member of the January 6th committee. And I was I bring this up largely because I know you guys love this content on our social pages at Breitbart News. This is very highly shared and clicked and commented. And I like that because people like fight back content. So uh, saying it's a, a obvious harassment. They're just trying to keep alive this thing that January 6th was way, 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 way worse than it was. Not to say I was happy about January 6th or liked it or don't think that certain people should be held accountable. They should. But the idea that they're trying to fold in every person connected to Trump, it, it, this is just the impeachment narrative just without Trump being in the White House, just trying to figure out people to castigate and blame and destroy because that is better than focusing on the news of how poor of a job Biden's doing as president. Here's Nancy Pelosi at a press conference yesterday, Mr. Paul Play 1A. Well, I'll never forgive President, former President of the United States and his lackeys and his bullies that he sent to the Capitol for the trauma that he, that was, in, what was exerted on our staff. These are young, largely younger people who come with idealism to work in the Capitol on either side of the aisle and whatever it is. And for us who sign up for this when we run for office, it's bad enough for our families to see the danger we're in. But for these young people, when I came back to the Capitol to say we're going to open up government in the Capitol that night, we were going to honor our constitutional responsibilities, even though they had an assault on that January 6th date fraught with meaning from the Constitution, when I saw what it meant to the staff, the way it traumatized them was frightening. <laughs> oh, come on. That's something that you, you, cannot, you cannot just say, well, we'll do legislation to make sure this or that doesn't happen again. You cannot oh, wow. erase that. It's the victim narrative. It's just everything is about Democrats being victims. Susie Smollett is a victim. Andrew Cuomo is a victim. Fredo Cuomo is a victim. Everyone's a victim. That is the nature of being on the left at this point in time. And we do not have hero narratives now. The narrative is now the victim narrative. That is what we go for in this country. And we, that is what is so glorious 
And that is why Juicy Smoulier resonated so much with the Democrat media complex, that he was the ultimate victim. He wasn't just beat up. He was beat up by MAGA people because he was black and gay. Though, of course, it was a hoax. January 6th, they got to trump it up as much as they can. The only person who was killed that day was a Trump supporter by apparently law enforcement. All the other deaths were natural causes. Not to say that it should ever happen again. I don't think it should. And not to say some people shouldn't go to jail for it. They should. All that's fine with me. But the obsession over this stuff, while there's actually real problems in this country, but the victimhood of the staff, which I don't doubt that there's something to that, but it's just like how much we got to talk about. Solar panels on January 6th, that's what the last priorities are. Nolte notes that Bloomberg, MSNBC, CNN, over and over again on CNN, Washington Monthly, something you don't hear very much, all of these outlets trying to go to bat for Biden on behalf of his Biden economy. News is broken. A um, couple other things that I want to mention at the beginning. Feds have seized a record amount of meth at the south, southwest border in November. Perhaps something we could focus on a little bit more than January the 6th, which is over. Long gone. Randy Clark reports that Breitbart News has reviewed a forthcoming report showing more than 42,000 pounds of methamphetamine that was seized by Customs and Border Protection agencies in November. The amount eclipses any previous monthly total. As CBP is coping with record numbers of migrants illegally crossing the border, Mexican cartels are pushing meth primarily straight through the southwest border ports of entry. So that's how much has been seized. So how much got through? Twice as much? Three times as much? If a record's getting seized, you got to assume a record's getting through because we're not getting infinitely more efficient under Biden's watch with CBP, which is now controlled by a pro-illegal alien guy. So that's a problem that's really going to affect families because you get these drugs coming over the borders. People get hooked on them. People overdose on them. Bigger deal in January 6th, Speaker Pelosi. Luckily, I think Americans are not buying the spin. 76% of adults say Biden's coronavirus child tax credit program did not help at all. Uh, I have children. I get the child tax credit. I think I remember a couple of you know, $160 deposits that got dropped in my bank account. So what? I don't care. I'm happy to have it, but it's a what? It's three weeks worth of gas. Awesome. Thank you. That's a real game changer, Joe. How about we cut the tax rate, uh, the marginal tax rate under, you know, 35%, whatever it is now. State taxes in blue states, north of 10%. Nope. We're going to kind of stroke you a $160 check and act like it's going to fix the economy. Uh, Americans are not nearly as dumb as the media and the Democrats think they are. This is one of the things that makes me feel good about the country. It is one of those places where I'm, I'm not as cynical. And you see it sometimes with some of these court cases. Rittenhouse, Moulier, Arbery. They're, they're getting to, Americans are calling things with clearer eyes than our media does and Democrats do. Biden trying to buy people off with a tiny tax credit which he touted as the largest and historic relief to most working families ever, people barely even noticed it. Only 4% say they they were helped a lot, and only 16% said it helped them a little. Wow. Let's see. Biden has signed an executive order to mandate greening of federal vehicles and buildings by 2050. So if he fails, Joe's probably not going to be around to get blamed for it. Those of you who spend time in blue states, this is what the discussion is. If you are, or those of you who do not, if you're a red stater, if you're in a sane part of the country like Florida, it, you don't you don't get that this is the whole discussion in certain areas of the country that are struggling right now. 
whether or not we have enough masks and whether or not we have enough green vehicles and green buildings. And that is Joe's goal. Going back to the border for a minute, most Southwest Border Patrol sector migrant detention counts exceed COVID capacity. So there's too many people with COVID coming up to have safe protections within our facilities where we're housing these migrants. In the meantime, Joe Biden was caught greeting Bob Dole's family without a mask after a eulogy. So if the masks work, why don't these Democrat politicians use them? Also, if they work, why don't they work? Will there be any consequences for this? Will there be any public outcry? I don't want to forget the genocide games where so much of the world, including Republican politicians, are supporting America's participation in the Beijing Olympics, giving what will be the greatest PR victory perhaps in the history of the Communist Party. And some people still see this with clearer eyes than others, and that is and that is a good thing. Here's Ennis Cantor Freedom, NBA player, who's actually on CNN calling out China, as he always does. 4A, Mr. Paul, play this one. You know, first of all, all the gold medals in the world that you can win is not more important than your morals, your principles, and your uh, values. And I did, yes, I did have speaking to so many Olympic athletes uh, that which are about to go to uh, uh, China. They are really worried because I told them, look what they did to their own tennis player. Are we really going to trust them with our own player? So I feel like all, not just countries and governments, but athletes need to push their governments and also their uh, companies to stop sponsoring the uh, Olympics. Yeah, this is about uh, Peng Shui, whose tennis player got disappeared. And thus, the tennis community, pro-tennis players, have been the loudest and most vocal to stand up and say, we don't like what communist China is doing and we're not going to play along with it. And we're going to have some boycotts. So is that what it's going to take? Is it going to take someone from you know LeBron James's family to get kidnapped or a teammate to get kidnapped? For the NBA to start realizing that their behavior legitimizes some of the worst people on earth, a genocidal regime that is one of the most hostile to journalists in the world and press freedom. Of course, I don't want that to happen, but is that really what it's going to take? Because it might, because this is the, the China was ranked the world's worst jailer of journalists for the third year in a row. How many of the people who think that Americans must participate in the, in the genocide games are aware of that? Three years in a row, the number one jailer of journalists. Interestingly, um, Turkey was the previously the perennial winner of that. And that might not be the case anymore because there aren't any journalists left to jail in Turkey. Interesting, right? You get the picture. And that is what goes on in communist China at this time. Bob Costas, which is a, a longtime NBC sports reporter, and I don't believe a right-wing guy, at least as far as I can recall, has been pretty vocal on this. I'm going to play this one also on CNN. As CNN is now all of a sudden discovered China's bad, which is interesting. I think maybe they see it as a competitive play because I think um, AT&T, Time Warner, which owns CNN, I don't know if they're as de- China-dependent as most of their corporate media counterparts it, it doesn't appear that they are. They weren't the focus of my coverage in Breaking the News, where I did break down you know, ABC and NBC and Bloomberg and all these places that are just hugely China-dependent. All of big tech wants uh, that, that sweet, sweet commie cash from China. Um, but let's play 5A, Paul. Play it. The NBA is up to its neck in China. China is a huge sports market. Basketball is especially popular there. 
but they will put up with not even the slightest criticism. They reject it out of hand, and when they can, some of it may be just saber-rattling, like saying today that the U.S. will pay the price for their wrongdoings, but to the extent that they can, they exact a price. I'm repeating myself here because I've said it before to you and others on CNN, but back a couple of years ago when Daryl Morey, then the GM of the Houston Rockets, tweeted, stand with Hong Kong, Rockets games were suddenly off the air for an extended period in China, and the Rockets are one of the most popular teams there because Yao Ming was the first big Chinese star in the NBA. More recently, Enes Kanter, who grew up in Turkey, so he knows what Celtics. authorities... Yeah, Celtics. Uh, he's a Turk. He's, he spoke out against China. Same thing. Celtic games like that, gone. I guarantee you that the feed of this conversation is gone yeah, I, in China right now. I, I, Right, exactly. And so uh, what does that mean? Does that mean we show up and go legitimize them? Hopefully not. Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most important conservative organizations in the country. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join AMAC at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. First of two guests today, Jerome Hudson, who is probably my most frequent fill-in on the broadcast, but his day job is our entertainment editor at Breitbart News. And we get into exactly who were the worst offenders during the Jussie Smollett hoax and what this could mean for race relations in America going forward. He's pretty positive on this, and I I dig that. I welcome it. Uh, I don't think I share all of his positivity, but I certainly like that vibe on the show from time to time. I have a good time uh, also discussing uh, Alec Baldwin already on the comeback trail honoring a Kennedy at a big gala featuring Kamala Harris and a future president, Stacey Abrams, all that to come with Jerome Hudson right now. Jerome, I'm going to ask you to wear two hats today, and I know you like to wear a hat from time to time. Mm. I, I am. I'm not just going to use you as the entertainment editor, but I'm going to act, I'm going to ask you to step again into the role of Black Bart editor, which is a <laughs> title you gave yourself years ago. And yeah. I, I don't know if there is a Black Bart, but if there is, you definitely edit it uh, because I, I we have a caller. I won't bring him in um, because I, I think I can make the point, but. Uh, Dave in Georgia wants to know, will Black Lives Matter be held accountable after Juicy Smollier has gone down? Uh, I'm, my answer is probably mostly not, but maybe I'm too cynical here. It won't be, but the good news is, is I think as of about two or three weeks ago, the majority of the country is now moving closer to reality and finding Black Lives Matter unsavory in terms of its polling. And so when Black Lives Matter... Los Angeles come out comes out and backs Jesse Smollett on the eve of of his guilty verdict. It only 
uh, I think further um, it proves the point that it it is an unserious organization. It has no interest in actually uh, getting to the root causes of why there are still, uh, unfortunately in this country, an underclass of black Americans yeah. who find themselves in neighborhoods that are placed inside of communities, inside of cities that have been run to uh, into the ground and, and in some cases have become islands of, of, of killing fields and they've been they've been run by Democrats for decades. Uh, what's happened, I think, with Black Lives Matter, which I think started with a sentiment that we do all fundamentally uh, agree on, which is that, you know, there have been some unique problems that black Americans have faced that other types of people, even perceived oppressed people, uh, haven't faced. And I think that there's a general collective guilt over that stuff, and we would like to make it right, if possible, as a society. Hmm. Uh, but that lasted for like five minutes, and then it, it turned into a bunch of rich people, particularly whites, trying to fund a institutional left takeover of, of uh, institutions in our country, in particular, the corporate world. This is what struck me, is that there was no standing up to the rioting. Uh, there were companies like Amazon that was funding Black Lives Matter. There were you know, white former domestic terrorists that were involved in running Black Lives Matter. And there was no, uh, the narrative never shifted when this became clear. And that, to me, I guess, was the most is the most disheartening thing for the country is that when it became clear that the Black Lives Matter was in essence a hoax, still <laughs> we're where we are today. And that is because I mean you just have to think about the 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 mountains of PR flex, uh, Alex and the lawyers and the public relations experts who look at the situation and they just keyed in on one simple thing and it's a very powerful thing and that's white guilt. This country, uh, you know, had slavery. It is powerful, which, which 100%. Was, and it always was, will be. Yeah. And, like, slavery is not unique to America, but given the history of blacks in this country, uh, white guilt became, uh, it became something that could be lucrative. Um, and Black Lives Matter really ignited with the death of, of Michael Brown. And, in, and that was, as we've seen over the course of years, even through this Jesse Smollett uh, uh, scene, it, it, was it just a mass gaslighting campaign? Of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, uh, no one wanted to see Michael Brown, an 18-year-old kid who, who, who could have had a lot of promise, die in the way that he did. But the gaslighting campaign that was foisted onto this entire country is that uh, Darren Wilson, the officer that killed uh, Michael Brown, did it because he had racial animus in his heart. He was just looking for a young black kid to kill. Nothing uh, could be further from the truth. And the DNA evidence, the investigation has proven that. And even the Eric Holder uh, Justice Department during the Obama years proved that. And I think over time, as we see these gaslighting campaigns uh, just com completely crumble um, under the scrutiny, in this case, of the, of the justice uh, system, uh, a court finding Jesse Smollett uh, guilty, I think those Americans who would have fallen for uh, this game and who, quite frankly, probably were among those people in the fall of last year, in the summer of last year, bending to their knees, you know, repenting for their whiteness. I sure. think bit by bit, when these hoaxes fall apart, um, more people turn away and realize that they're being lied to. Yeah, I think that is the case, but I don't know <laughs> whether or not um, there's enough people tuning out and just taking 
the and not getting caught up. Um, and this is part of the strategy, the way the Democrats are doing their community organizing these days is getting the lowest information people to turn in mail in votes. And mm. that uh, negates, I think, to some degree, the amount of people who might finally say with the Juicy Smoulier case that, OK, this is the last straw. I'm not going to go along with these people who have been lying to me about all these hate crime hoaxes. Um, but, uh, J- uh, Jerome, one thing that, that's noteworthy here, that, yeah. um, before I throw it back to you, is that we've had three major court cases that have come down mm-hmm. in the last few weeks, Kyle Rittenhouse, Ahmaud Arbery, and Juicy Smoulier, all of them supposed to be race relations uh, issues. Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, in the most heinous act of racism in the history of the country, shot three white guys uh, at a BLM <laughs> March, and then we had um, Ahmad Arbery, who did seem to be uh, killed by a couple of reckless white guys who shouldn't have been doing that. In uh, to, to to put it mildly, and they were convicted. And then you got um, uh, Jesse Smollett, which was obviously a hoax from the start, and he's getting convicted. So it seems like that's three for three. So maybe yeah. the country isn't as confused as the media tells us we are. Yeah, I wanted to pull you back away from sort of this really cynical take that, 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 that I totally understand. And, you know, given our careers is completely uh, understandable. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the goodness of this country and hat tip to the founders of this country, right, just building this system, particularly in our criminal justice system, whereby, you know, you just trust your your everyday uh, man and woman in this country to actually be presented with the facts of the case and to weigh them uh, against the other side pushing back uh, and then the defense. And, and you're right. I mean, the hat trick goes to the goodness of the American people and the actual goodness of our justice system, uh, which which I think is sort of the underbelly of this. Whenever these 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 hoax uh, crimes happen. And again, Jesse Smollett did this because he, he, he felt like he was in a country that had already seen a bunch of uh, uh, hoaxes and we dutifully reported them whenever they fell apart at Breitbart News. He thought he could get away with it. Um, and what he didn't actually account for, you want to talk about irony, is the fact that the the police system, the the justice uh, 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 system in this country, the police side of it in Chicago. I mean, Jesse Smollett never actually accounted for the fact that with his celebrity status, him starring on a TV show that actually films in Chicago, that, oh, my God, the police might actually do uh, the job that they were sworn to do. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, and so it's it's a good thing. And I think, again, it's. It's a war, as, as, as our beloved friend and founder called it, and we, we, we will continue to win these battles. And the other thing uh, that I would remind the audience is, is that, you, you know, I was at the show on Broadway uh, in the summer of 2019 when Dave Chappelle actually was, was recording his Sticks and Stones uh, stand-up special. And in that special is about the four-minute segment in which Dave Chappelle gave us all the clear to actually not believe a story yeah. that was too bizarre to believe in Jesse Smollett's to begin with. And so that that huge cultural uh, uh, weight, if you will, just lifted off of everybody who looked at the facts of this and said, no, there's no way that this conspiracy can be true, is a huge component of this. So, yeah, let me ask you about the uh, how this hoax uh, came to be and 
the why. And I went through the details of those of you who want to go back to the top of the show. I read a lot of the, the, the breakdown and we've got a good, we have many good summaries on the front page, brightport.com right now. Um, I am uh, inclined to recommend the excerpt from my book, breaking the news, which we published where I think I go through pretty uh, concisely what actually happened or what, uh, Jussie Smollett claimed happened. But the question is, Jerome, it, it was so ham fisted. It was so over the top of the calling Chicago MAGA country that the white guys in MAGA hats, the, 2 a.m. Subway sandwich. I mean, it's the that it was literally the coldest night of the year. I mean, it is so ridiculous that you almost couldn't. It is. It would have been stranger than fiction, and and of course it wasn't because it was fiction. Is it why did he go so far? Is he just not a bright guy, or was it why did he think that this level wouldn't raise eyebrows? Like, mm, I don't know. That's a little much. <laughs> it was. It was too good, right? The crime was Way just too good. Too good. Uh, why did he? Why did he keep the sandwich? Has always been. Uh, <laughs> this uh, is my the one question. that people keep pointing out. Like he still had a sandwich with him, and we never even know if it was like a turkey with provolone. Um, yeah, you know, I, I always go for the tuna, but um, I, I, you, you got to go. The trick is if you find yourself at Subway, and I don't recommend anyone find themselves at Subway. You got to go for whatever is the lowest quality <laughs> possible, because then, because then it, it actually you got to. There's a curve, and I have a rule that when you go to a restaurant, you get the meat that corresponds with the price point. Like right. I, I don't, I don't get the steak at the places that you know are under ten dollars. Like if you're spending under ten dollars for a steak, you know you're getting some garbage. But you can get some decent chicken, for oh, example. You get some decent ham, for example, for under ten dollars. This is a life lesson. It's the, <laughs> if I have a podcast, oh, this is what God. it's going to be. I when I do have a podcast and I talk I, about the news the whole time. But this I, is a big deal. And, and tell me, you guys know it's true. If they, when you go to the fancy place and you can get yourself the steak, do not get the lobster. At the place that is $19. Your options are limited, though, at 2 a.m., Alex. Like, God, I love my job. So, no, but um, hold on a second. Yeah. One of my favorite taco stands has just brought out their lobster, their seasonal lobster. <laughs> uh, in my neighborhood, this is one of my favorite restaurants, and I won't give it the, the, the free plug, but some of you, I'm sure, have been to this place. And they got their lobster out. I'm going, like, I don't want lobster from a fast food place. Like, no. that is not, if I'm in the mood for lobster, then I will. First of all, I'm going to have to budget. And, but then I'm going I'm to go to a place that specializes in surf and turf. I'm not yeah. going to the place that specializes in beer-battered fish tacos. Like, Lo- that's not going to be <laughs> when I get my lobster. It's lobster, an important point. Lobster at a fast food place is about the, the best way to clean out your colon. Um, <laughs> but you know, to, to, your, to your question, I, I look at Jesse Smullett, and I, I got to tell you, because, you know, to go back to cynicism, like, the years that I spent investigating corruption within our own government, uh, under the tutelage of Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute, it made me very hardened and very cynical about the place that our politics are at right now. But when I look at the fact that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg and Cory Booker and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all of the people that the media cult Hollywood hold up as the smartest people in this country, they all fell for this, this, lo- this lie yeah, and this hoax sure. of Justice Smollett. And, you know, you know, I, I wrote the, the, the piece, I think I published it a couple of days ago, 74% of the country, when asked, thought that he faked the hate crime. And so, you know, the, the, the actual people who matter in this country, not the most powerful people on the planet, unfortunately, uh, who, while running for, for office, did the very thing that you just might expect them to do, 
which is peddle Jesse Smollett's lie. I'm not talking about them. The people who matter in this country, who wake up every day and play by the rules, they saw through this. Um, but I but I look at this Jesse Smollett, um, the, 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 the guilty verdict as a celebration and as an, an affirmation that we're we're in a better place than we need to be. Um, and the same thing could be said in just about every poll that you look at today and every survey about the job that Joe Biden is doing. This this was terrible in a sense because the only actual attack done here by Jesse Smollett was on the good people of this country, was on the country itself. Sure. At That's a right. time where we have now Chicago breaking what was a mind-boggling murder uh, rate from 30 years ago, um, Jesse Smollett pulled two dozen uh, police detectives off of their jobs when their resources were already stretched thin to review thousands of, of hours of surveillance tape and conduct interviews to investigate what was always a hoax. I mean, that's the real attack here. If there's anyone, it's on the, the, the founding principles of this country. It's on law enforcement itself which then in 2020 went through an entire mass media and Democratic Party campaign to defund them. Um, I mean, so, you know, to your last caller, I think Jesse's I don't know what the sentencing will be, but I do think that he should spend years in jail um, because it, it, what about the crimes that weren't solved in, in Chicago already has one of the country's lowest clearance rate when it comes yeah. to violent crime and murder to begin with? What about the people uh, who needed those seasoned detectives? The Chicago Police Department, Alex, yeah, took, took detectives from six different departments to investigate this. Uh, at that time. Um, and, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that the judge, Michael uh, Toman, he looked at the facts of this case and he looked at a Soros funded district attorney in Cook County and, and Kim Fox who dropped the charges against Jesse Smullett. And the, the judge reappointed the special prosecutor to not only investigate Kim Fox's office, um, and, and, and why she dropped the charges, but to actually go back and reexamine and figure out if charges should be brought. A grand jury, which is one of the amazing institutions in this country, just again, just, just average Americans um, doing extraordinary things. They looked at the facts and they brought more charges against Jesse Smollett. And his guilty verdict, I think, is a win for this country. And it, 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 is, it should validate what has been a beaten down Chicago Police Department and, and, and law enforcement in this country writ okay, large. Okay, but I want to talk a little bit about the corporations here and their role oh, yeah. in, in funding Black Lives Matter and their role in putting up the stupid black boxes and all of these virtue signals when they're, they don't behave in a way that actually helps race relations in the country. Uh, and this is something that is a trick, and they like it. And um, we talked a lot about this at a couple weeks back with Vivek Ramaswamy, who wrote a whole book called Woke Inc., where he talks about this, where he talks about how uh, the the woke corporations love it because now instead of having to do good, they can do all the business they want with with uh, communist China, uh, you know, and use slave labor, and they get off the hook so long as they. Uh, do some sort of public virtue signaling to the millennials who are on Instagram that work in their company. And this is something that has to end. And mm. I hope that this is a step in that direction, but I, I I have no confidence that the corporations will get the memo. They need to slow down on the Black Lives Matter stuff because it is a hack. It is a hack to to be perceived as sufficiently progressive uh, without actually having to engage in business practices that – I don't know, actually encourage diversity. 
And I think I think it will. Um, I think you're starting to see Better.com, um, which I didn't even know what it was, but it's a it's a mortgage company. They actually uh, f- fired 800 of their employees over a Zoom uh, nine, yeah. uh, over a Zoom call. And I think initially the reaction to that was, oh, my God, how could this be done so callously? Um, and the CEO, he, if, you, if you actually listen to or read his statement, he, he fired people who were taking advantage of time in the company. But one of the buried leads, uh, I think, in the story, Alex, was that uh, among those people being fired, it was the entire um, equity and inclusion department. Um, it's, it's one, it's massively buried lead. Um, but it's one example and something that I do believe is a trend that is happening. We are about to live in a reality in which the Nazis in Beijing and China actually foisted this deadly black plague on the country. They protected themselves. They let their, uh, their citizens in Wuhan fly and spread it all around the country. And they're about to be rewarded, uh, with an Olympics, NBC Universal, which is one of the big bad uh, uh, players in all of this uh, that you so dutifully highlighted um, in your work, um, they 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 failed to launch their Peacock, and I think it, 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 again it's just one example of the evidence. The Peacock, that, the the streaming network, the streaming network. Um, yeah, and they 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 tried to launch it with the with the with the Winter Games. Uh, just uh, several months ago, and and their right. and, and their and their hope is is that they can sort of wrap their arms around. I mean, this the the, the Winter Games in 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 Beijing, it's their last and final hope. But I just think people are are really actually, you know, I, it's it's because of the work you're doing. I think people are waking up. People just I, I do too. They they're turning it off. They're actually cutting their cords, and they're 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 figuring out also that Sling, uh, another streaming option, is also owned by a massively evil conglomerate. And I I, I do think that the, the more we learn with technology, uh, I think Axios had a, a ridiculous report about how conservatives are actually starting to build their own internet uh, platforms. Yeah. Um, slowly but surely, it, it, I think the American people are waking up and, and are turning away. And I think we're getting more evidence in the data uh, with good CEOs. As, sure. As, but, as, but, but here's yeah. the thing that I also point out, and I'm sorry to bring it back to a more mm-hmm. cynical note, is that <laughs> the, the, the corporation is going to adjust sometimes faster than we're able to adjust. And this is what happens. And this is the, the where they've got us cornered because they have more resources than the anti-establishment crowd, um, but uh, it, it's a we, we can focus on that later. But I do think that this yeah. is th- th- this will all do some good. The fact the system is largely working lately. Yeah. Um, Jerome Hudson again is with me. He's not just the Black Bart editor; he's the entertainment <laughs> editor for Breitbart News, and uh, probably my most frequent fill-in. Though I think I've done all the shows for the last couple of months. But uh, Jerome yeah. is uh, always has my back when I need to, a day uh, to work on other stuff. Um, Jerome, I want to talk about uh, Alec Baldwin, who is back to normal life. He hosted a big gala yesterday. Kamala Harris was there for future president and perhaps former president. Who knows? Stacey Abrams. She's an incredible woman. I don't know what she's able to pull off. I mean, maybe she might have a time machine and become (laughs) president in the past. Hey, I wouldn't. She can do anything. That woman can do anything. So and Alec Alec Baldwin was there and he's being feted and he is being treated like a star or or is there more than meets the eye here? 
No, I think that this um, is an event that he's uh, played a role in and done some emceeing. And before, it's the uh, the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Center uh, annual gala. Uh, and you're right, Kamala, Kamala Harris being there is just absolutely perfect. Of course she was there. Um, uh, Stacey Abrams, it's, it's just a big left-wing institution. And I think a long time ago, Alec Baldwin was asked to host it. And for whatever reason... Uh, the people in in charge decided that it was a good deal to just keep him on as the MC. But this wasn't exactly sh- shocking to me. I almost forgot about it. Ha- hats off to Joel Pollack for for jumping on reporting it out. Is that you know if you looked closely, Alex, at his George Stephanopoulos uh, interview, Alec Baldwin actually said that he'll be back on a movie set in in about a month. Like he's shooting another movie in January. Yeah. We're not two months removed. Um, from a situation in which uh, he was holding the gun that fired uh, a bullet that killed one woman and injured the director on the rest set. Um, It's just that he now claims he didn't pull the trigger on. I know. And this is interesting because the look, if I was Alec Baldwin, I'd do the same thing. I would just try to get back to life. Um, But what's amazing is that these powerful people who we know if she was on the other foot and this is some sort of a prominent right wing celebrity who had just shot someone dead um, or apparently shot someone dead on a movie set that was clearly irresponsible and that person was a producer in that movie set. We never stopped talking about it until the person was, you know, strung up at the town square. And Alec Baldwin's literally hosting galas with celebrities and the vice president. Yeah, that's the disconnect. That's that. It's just I go back. I go back to that poll. It's, you know, three fourths of the country just saw right through the Smollett, the Smollett hoax. Like Alec Baldwin is a part of the elite, the elite cabal. Like I, I don't know I, if 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 I am to believe his words and his wife uh, Hillary's words. Um, they, His real name is Hillary. Right. They seem Not to Hillary-a. only. They seem to only want privacy. That is continuously what she's saying. She just said that she's she's going through depression. And for Alec Baldwin, you know, to actually go to a glitzy and, and glamorous gala on the backdrop of everything that he's asking for, which is privacy, makes no sense to me. And I don't think it makes sense to to the average American. Um, but but. Here we are anyway. It's going to be fascinating to see that investigation is still carrying out in Santa Fe. Um, But you're absolutely right. If if Alec Baldwin uh, was a staunch conservative and had Donald Trump's back from day one, he'd be completely ostracized um, from polite society. I got to run here, but any other trends in the entertainment world you think is important to highlight right this second? Yeah, I mean, the, just the lead story uh, at the, on the entertainment page, um, just the, the deafening silence from Hollywood. All of the people who were calling for justice for Jesse and yeah. you know calling his, his fake hoax attack a domestic uh, terrorist attack on the country, um, they're all silent now. Um, and I, I think that is because we have actually gained power and control over them. They can't even admit now that they were wrong um, because mm. it would be it would be too too damaging to their image. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll 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 continue to expose all, all of them. Um, uh, Jerome Hudson's our entertainment editor. Uh, Joel Pollock has sent me a kind correction here that uh, Kamala Harris was apparently zoomed in. She wasn't there in person. So. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, look, look, we'll, we'll do a correction on the show. It's sure. a, we're not above that. We're 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 pure integrity. Right. We're bigger. Uh, we're bigger men than Jesse Smollett. We can admit when we're wrong. <laughs>
And I'm really looking forward to Joey the Biden, the president of the United States, will be on Jimmy Fallon tonight, I guess. So uh, I'm sure there'll be aviators and ice cream scoops to go around. So we'll look forward to that. Jerome, thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. As previously noted, two guests today. John Carney is also up. A big data just came out on inflation, and uh, it is at a 40-year high. Consumer prices up 6.8%, which is pretty wild, big numbers, and certainly offsetting anything remotely positive in the economic data that is going to dog the Biden administration. They're trying to spin so hard. Uh, John explains what all these numbers mean, and he's better than anyone on this topic. And also a good chance to plug, if you go to Breitbart.com, um, you can subscribe. You see it. It's a, it should pop up in the right-hand corner of your window to the economic and finance newsletter that uh, John and I work on uh, every evening. So that is something that I highly recommend to you, and uh, he does a great job breaking down the news in this interview. Let's roll it. John, I want to start with all of the great economic news that I've been reading in Bloomberg and CNN and CNBC and The Hill. I mean, I can't believe how great everything is going in this country at this time. And I'm so relieved we have responsible media uh, that's willing to, to tell us exactly what's going on. Yeah, this is pretty hilarious. Uh, the White House was very distressed about what was happening in the economy. And so what they did was didn't set out to fix the economy, but set out to fix the reporting on it, sent their emissaries out to the major news organizations around the country and said, hey, guys, here are our talking points. We'd like you to report these. And what do you know, a couple of days later, the media is full of stories that are literally transcriptions of the White House talking points. Well, the interesting thing here, and I've been charting this since I started to take on the research for my book, Breaking the News, uh, last year at the early stages of the year, um, that the it is becoming less of a subtle wink-nod thing, and it is more open collusion between the establishment media and the current administration. It is essentially propaganda. I, I don't see any difference here, but were there any highlights to, uh, to me or, or highlights for you that jumped out at you in the media coverage of Biden's apparently incredible economy? Yeah. So one was uh, a story that appeared on CNBC on air that literally, and then the, the website version of it literally had bullet points. The bullet points were... You know, uh, unemployed were, were literally just lifted out of what the White House was telling people. Uh, as you said, you know, this is it's become in some ways much more transparent than, uh, you know, than, than it used to be. Right. Meaning that it's nakedly propaganda. When you come out with the, you know, the second edition of your book, this episode should be like the introduction. Right. The White House went out with talking points and the media then all dutifully reported those talking points, not as White House talking points, by the way. Right. They didn't say, here's what the White House says. They said, here are good things you should know about the economy. You know, uh, this is something that shouldn't surprise anyone. But now we need to get to the bottom of what's actually happening, because much of the media saw the data that came out uh, suggesting that. 
Um, uh, we have the, I guess, the lowest jobless claims as some evidence that the economy is actually thriving. Is the economy thriving or is this a sign of something else that's deeper and perhaps more insidious? Right. So, so one thing that's happening is, yes, the U.S. economy has been adding on jobs at a very fast pace because we're still in reopening mode, meaning you know, everybody knows this, like look around. You go to, you know, go out to a restaurant. They are in many places still, you know, getting to 100 percent capacity. They're hiring people on. It's probably a mistake to think of those as jobs that are being created rather than jobs that are being restored. We're still, despite record, this very low uh, unemployment, we still don't have as many people working as before the pandemic. So we still have some reopening, meaning getting people who had jobs back into those jobs. We still have some of that to go. But what's but the the very low level of jobless claims that we saw coming out yesterday for the week before that is actually probably a sign of a dysfunction in the economy, meaning that we're having trouble getting some people back into work, particularly older people, are worried about the pandemic. Many of them didn't like their jobs to begin with, frankly. They, uh, they're not coming back to work. And so what that has created is a very tight labor market. That creates inflation and uh, because people are unable to you know, hire new workers in, so they have to bid up current workers, that is an inflationary pressure. And unfortunately, what we've been seeing, that can be great, right? If you're getting paid more because employers are trying to you know, hire you on, great news. It's not great news if the prices are rising faster than your pay hikes, and that's what we've been seeing all year. Um, so why do you think so much of the media kind of tried to frame this as this is some sort of a great thing? <laughs> really, Alex? I'll tell you why. The reason is because they want to help Joe Biden. What? They no. Like, <laughs> They're not they just trying to be like, credible conduits for the news no, that it, the public needs to be and informed? It, and in fact, it's not working at all. All the surveys that come out uh, show that people's number one problem right now is inflation. That they say the biggest economic challenge facing the nation is not how many jobs we can create. Everybody knows we're going to add people into the workforce. We're reopening the economy. We had a pandemic. We lost a lot of jobs. We're rebuilding those jobs. That was going to happen. That's not the biggest challenge facing the economy. The challenge is prices are going up like mad. This morning, we got the latest consumer price index numbers, and it's the highest. Last month, it was the highest in 30 years. Now, Alex, it's the highest in 40 years, the highest since 1982, June wow. of 1982, so slightly over uh, 40 years. Okay, so so so, what does that mean in terms of data? I mean, because, you know, the White House is touting that some people are getting seeing wage growth, but, you know, if the wage growth is all set by the price of, you know, uh, chicken thighs and uh, gasoline, then it does. It's not really wage growth, is it? So what is the real balance sheet here? Right. So, so far... What we've been seeing is that prices are rising faster than wage growth, which means that people are actually getting poorer. That they're, so inflation does two things. It works on both sides of your household ledger in a way. It makes your income worth less. So if, you're getting, so if you get a 3% raise this year, 
Uh, you know, a lot of people are coming into the end of the year. They're probably going to be hearing about what they're going to get paid next year. If they get a 3% raise, which is, you know, has been, you know, that's, that used to be a pretty good uh, uptick in your salary, you're actually getting poorer because inflation is up 6.8%. So the stuff you buy is up more than twice as much as your raise. So you've actually taken a step backwards in terms of what your income can buy. And then also your savings are worth less. If you had, you know, $100,000 in the bank, you're trying to do the right thing to save for retirement. Well, that's just lost almost 7% of its value uh, to you. Its buying power has diminished. So you are actually anti-saving, even though you've been trying to do the right thing and put your money away so that you can, you know, enjoy your old age. That's, you know, that's not a disaster if you're a young person. You have plenty of time to try to make up for that. It's bad if you're a young person. It's really bad, though, if you were getting closer to retirement and you're seeing this savings eaten away uh, as, you know, right as you're on the cusp of trying to say, you know, I'd like to settle down and spend some of the money I've been earning my whole life. Okay, so let's talk about where the supply chain issues play in this. What are you seeing as the downstream effects of the continual supply chain issues we're facing? Well, one thing is immense holiday shortages. Uh, if you go online and try to buy things, uh, a, a lot, a, particularly electronic equipment, but lots of things. I mean, I tried to buy for uh, one of my daughters a, uh, a Leatherman tool, you know, these things that have like 12 different tools. They, they fold up into a little case. You can put them in a pouch, put them on your belt, pliers, saws. Uh, all of that sort of thing. And I can't get it until sometime in late January because, frankly, there's supply chain issues. You can't buy a lot of things that you should be able to buy, uh, you know, in time for Christmas now. Nope, those aren't available. What is available is going way up in prices. uh, And we're going to – and there's no sign that this is ameliorating in any way. We're seeing, you know, still – Huge backups at the ports. They, they, they concealed the backups. You can no longer stand on the beach in Los Angeles and take pictures because they ordered the boats to go farther away. So they're basically over the horizon. But they are still there. There are 100 or so ships that, uh, that are waiting to get into port. They're, uh, the, the attempt to make the ports work 24-7 didn't really help at all. Uh, and frankly, there's everything they've been doing uh, has been ineffective and probably will continue to be ineffective. And that means we're going to be facing higher prices well into next year. Inflation is not going to come down to a normal level. I'll, I'll say this right now. Inflation will not come down to a normal level next year at all. We will have higher than the Fed's 2% target at least into 2023 probably into 2024. Uh, John Carney again is our, is my guest. He is the economic and finance editor for us at Breitbart news. And we're talking about inflation now to 40 year high consumer prices soaring 6.8%, which is terrible news. But one thing that has been a theme on the show, John, is that the media increasingly misses the biggest stories of our time in favor of stories that are, you know, hoaxes. 
Um, and they were telling us for six months that inflation is transitory. Now, is anyone eating their hat over this? Are there any heads rolling? Is there any mea culpas going on? Or do we just act as though the media didn't completely miss this story for at least six months? Yeah, uh, no, they're just acting as if they didn't miss it. And it's even worse than you're saying, Alex. They didn't only say, yeah, it's transitory, it's going to go away. They attacked people who said that it wasn't going away. They were they were ultra critical. They you know there were stories saying that people were were politicizing inflation. The ones who were playing it up, uh, the people saying that there wasn't a that it didn't make sense to claim that inflation was going to stick around. Of course, it made sense. We were saying at Breitbart that those people who subscribe to the newsletter that you and I put out every night uh, knew that this was going to be a big problem for a long time to come. And we've been saying this for months. Finally, uh, the establishment came around to our point of view, not on their own, by the way. It was only because Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, and Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, uh, conceded uh, a, few, uh, a week ago that, yes, it's not transitory. But until then, they've been maintaining, yeah, yeah, it's going to be transitory. Look, the Biden administration officials said so. It was only when they gave it up that the media finally came around to the view of, yeah, okay, we got it wrong. Uh, One thing that I think is encouraging is the public does not seem to be on board with Joe Biden's spin. I I mentioned earlier in the broadcast that 76% of adults say, Biden's a coronavirus child tax credit program did not help at all, uh, which is uh, I would be in that group and I think I, w- I benefited from it. Um, another one that is a big is that the majority of Americans don't believe that build back better actually fights inflation. I can't imagine why, given the inflation data. Uh, but I, I do want to bring up what was arguably one of my favorite headlines that uh, Amtrak is going to be cutting back. Uh, reducing manpower due to Biden's vaccine mandates. Uh, Mr. Mr. Amtrak guy is actually harming Amtrak with his own mandates. I think people are not going to buy the media spin, John, in general. I do think that they're not going to give Biden credit. And you're seeing it in the numbers that people's faith in him to preside over the economy has eroded completely. So is there is there hope for him? Do you see any quick fixes? And are those things that you think he could be considering? No, <laughs> frankly, you're absolutely right. People, one problem with trying to change, the politicians can at times change the subject from something that's making them unpopular to popular. It's really hard to do that with inflation because we see it day in and day out. Every family in America goes to the grocery store once a week and stocks up on groceries. So this is a high frequency you know, event where you are being reminded, you know, look at how much I'm paying. People go to the gas station. This is another high frequency event. It's really hard to gaslight people to make them convince them that they are crazy for thinking prices are going up, but they can see the evidence with their own eye day in and day out. So I don't think that they I think this is desperate and basically doomed to failure their attempt to convince people that what really matters is that we're restoring jobs that we had before the pandemic. Yeah. That's what, that's the baseline in many ways, right? If we weren't doing that, then yeah, that would be a failure. It's good that we're restoring the jobs we had before the pandemic. 
the what is you but you're not going to get away with doing that with really high inflation and telling people that oh no everything's good and so i don't think the media spin i don't think the biden administration spin i don't think anything like that is to be effective at all because people see it in their bank accounts they see it in their you know when they're at the cashier and they see it especially in this holiday season where they're trying to buy nice things for their family, but they're finding their paychecks don't go as far as they did a year ago. Sure, and they still can't get everything they want. Um, are there still a bunch of ports sitting on, uh, sitting outside of places like Los Angeles right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a, a, a bunch of ships. Yeah. Yes, yes, the ships are backed up. Uh, so far, as I was saying, that they they actually made the ships move further out to sea because it was embarrassing and probably actually you know creating uh, pollution and a smog problem. So they made them move further out to sea, but they're still there. Uh, there are a hundred, there, there's a, you know, around a hundred ships. Um, there's a, this is not a problem that's going away. And frankly, every time we get a new variant and we will have, you know, we've discussed this before, we'll have new variants coming out uh, in the future. Every time one of these becomes, you know, a virus becomes viral and starts breaking out around the world, you have port closings because obviously those are you know high traffic areas and people get infected, and that makes the problem worse. So this is going to continue to happen, uh, and really, I think you know possibly we'll start to get this the shipping problem cleared up maybe next summer if we if we do a really good job of it. But I don't see it getting cleared up before that. John Carney, economic and finance editor at Breitbart News. Read everything he writes. I think our coverage has been best in class, and uh, John's insight has been uh, the key component of that. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, a few things to note before we wrap up the show. Uh, those of you who are listening to this on the day it comes out on Friday, this December 10th, I will plug that uh, we will have our exclusive interview with Donald Trump airing on Breitbart News Saturday, which is 10 a.m. Eastern live on SiriusXM Patriot number 125. And it's always good to get the full shows on the SXM app if you're so inclined or tuning in live to Breitbart News Daily, 6 a.m. Eastern. It's always an option for you. Uh, Ron DeSantis is going to issue an emergency order barring state licenses for Florida facilities complicit in Biden's migration resettlement. The big headline at Breitbart.com. But uh, lots of exclusive news for you all day, every day at Breitbart.com and the Breitbart News app. So a high recommendation you do all that. We're always grateful when you tell 10,000 friends and family members about the broadcast. And also some bittersweet news at the end of the show today. Producer Paul D'Amelio, who has been so helpful for making Breitbart News Daily such a great show for so many years, has gotten an upgrade. He's gotten a raise and a promotion to be the senior producer for the Stacey Washington show on SiriusXM Patriots. So we're going to say goodbye to Paul and we're going to welcome uh, junior producer Haley, who's going to join us starting next week. Paul's done a great job, deserves a, a big shout out from me personally as well as senior producer Greg who also deserves a shout out from me uh, but that's all the time we got for today we'll be back Monday thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast in America's heart.